If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Hey, before we get started today, I want to remind you that if you want more out of your life, there is another way. Whether you're lacking momentum in your business, you don't have a supportive environment, or you're tired of not living in your gifts and finally want to live a life that excites you, we can help. All you have to do is get on a call with somebody on my team that's going to rock your world. By going to rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call, we are there to help you rock your money and your life. So what are you waiting for? Go to rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call and let's get started today. All right, welcome to another session of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. My name is Rock Thomas. I'm your host and I am your whole life millionaire mentor. I love to bring on guests that have found a vehicle, a path, a way that's entrepreneurial that you can take a look at and say, you know, oh my God, had I not thought about that? How many other possibilities are there? Or maybe you want to attach your wagon to what they've learned and carved out as a niche on the planet. So this is a really cool guest that I have in this session. I really enjoyed my conversation with him. And you could basically say that he's artist turned entrepreneur. And he really is a great example that the things that you are doing in your 20s can serve you later in life to make you a huge success. So Ryan Bartlett is the founder at SEO Direct and co-founder at True Classic. He helps businesses grow and makes clothing for dad bots and helps get homeless vets off the streets by building them these miniature houses. So while he's a serial entrepreneur these days, he came from humble beginnings a lot like myself. He worked really hard. He helped his parents flip properties and worked, you know, maybe as young as 11 or 12 years old. But his real passion was music, drums and playing the piano. And for a long time, he was a struggling pianist, um, making basically just a meal to play at a, at a restaurant. He went on to Vegas and played some poker and eventually found himself kind of broke and then got into doing some SEO for an agency. And he loved it. He did data, he did coding, and he felt renewed. But he was also glued to the computer, glued to the screen. And um, at some point in time, stumbled across this opportunity to start creating these t-shirts. In late 2019, he started another venture with his two partners, a men's apparel company that focused on producing high quality fitted t-shirts at a reasonable price. In 2020, check it out, they scaled the company 3,000%. Are you kidding me? went from doing 673 orders a month to over 60,000 orders a month. Their mission is to continue to scale and build tiny homes for homeless vets in Savannah, Georgia. Really, really cool guy. You're going to enjoy this interview down to earth, wants to make a difference on the planet. And, you know, a good example of somebody who's really used their past to create a predictable future. So let's get to my interview with Ryan Bartlett. Thank you for having me. So, you know, it's not everybody that has had so many careers as you have. I was reading your bio and I was looking at it and I'm like, God, that sounds a lot like me, you know, um, create something and then uh, see another shiny object and create something. 
So why don't you walk us through the history a little bit of some of the different businesses you, you've done, and then we're going to dig down into the psychology of it. What was going on for you? Well, not a lot of businesses, really just two, but I mean, my, I really started out uh, in music. I really thought music was going to be my path. Um, you know, I went to school for music, you know, a recording arts engineer, production, uh, all that good stuff. Um, I grew up playing piano and drums mainly. Those were kind of my two instruments. So like in high school, I was doing a lot of uh, audio production and, and producing for a lot of artists. And I thought a lot of local artists. And I just really thought, you know, everyone was always telling me, you got to follow your passion. You got to do, you know, you, you got to use the gifts God gave you basically, right? Little did I know the music industry was winding down and it was completely changing and artists were getting a lot of raw deals. And, and, uh, and so, you know, I, once I got into the marketplace, the music marketplace, um, it just wasn't what it was cracked up to be. You know, I, I just had, I struggled a lot. I mean, I was playing piano at restaurants six days a week making almost no money and um you know what do they pay for that? i mean sometimes food you know it was it was either like 50 dollars a night or they would just pay me in food and i was actually happy with just food because i was barely scraping by in atlanta so it, it just wasn't pretty and you know even when i got into the higher echelons of the music business i did finally catch a little bit of a break um and i worked with a, um, a high profile music producer he, I just, I saw the way he treated his team and I saw the way the music industry worked from the inside and I didn't like it. I just didn't like it as a business. You know, I just knew at that point, I really didn't want to be a part of it. So I started um, a company called SEO Direct, my, my digital marketing agency, um, while I was working for him as a means to try to get out from underneath that job. And once I got enough clients and I got to page one of Google for my keywords, um, the rest was kind of history. And then I just kept building that business over the last uh, 11 years. And then um, somewhere along the way, I knew I wanted to uh, start an e-com brand because I was helping so many uh, brands build, build their side of things with, with SEO Direct. So um, I got to watch, you know, I got to watch businesses uh, struggle and do things the right way and do things the wrong way. And so and I learned a lot from that. So when I was finally ready to launch my own thing, um, you know, it, I had a lot of experience built up, even though I hadn't actually started anything. So that really helped me hit the ground running with True Classic. Um, and then, you know, here we are today. So if you look at, um, you know, follow your passion. A lot of people talk about that. And then you've got to, you know, fit it into monetizing it. Now today you're an entrepreneur and you spend a lot of time in front of computers. So you spend a lot of time in your life like this, pianos and computers, right? Um, how, how would you, what would you say to people that are maybe playing that same narrative? Like, I just want to do what I love, but I can't find a way to make a living. I would say that you have to figure out what you want out of life. You know, I do have friends still that are my age, like I'm 39 now. I have friends who are still doing the music life and they're struggling, but they're happy. You know, they're, they're, they don't necessarily want a family and all that, that they, they just, they want to play music and they want to live that life. And that's totally fine. But I think at a certain point, if you want a family and you're not able to provide for your family, you have to make a decision on a timeline. And I gave it 10 years and that was kind of the end of it. Once I hit my 10 year mark and I still couldn't make money, 
I was like, you know what? I just, I gotta, I gotta do something else. I gotta find a way. And especially in LA, like LA is the worst place to try to be an artist because it's so insanely expensive out here. I mean, good luck starting a family and, and surviving out here on, on artist pay. So I think that you just got to define a timeline and, and you got to be honest with yourself. You know, I still see a lot of people thinking that someday they can make it and all that. And maybe they will, but um, the majority don't. You know what I mean? Entertainment's a brutal business. It's, uh, it's very, very difficult. Only the top couple percentage of people really are able to do it at a high level and make real money from it. So you just gotta be honest with yourself and kind of structure some sort of a timeline around it, I think is the key. So um, do you have currently, other than your business, uh, have you started to acquire what I call cash flowing assets? So investments in stocks or real estate or businesses other than the one that you, you know, is your baby? I'm not into stocks too much. A lot of my friends are. I kind of got in late to the stock market. I'm really uh, bullish on crypto. Um, I'm a big believer in it. I mean, maybe it's just kind of my generation. My parents don't really understand it. Um, but, and a lot of my finance friends coincidentally do not understand it. Like everyone I know that's like a public market guy or like a finance guy is just like, they, they, they just, it gives them the creeps. They just don't like it for whatever reason. But um, yeah, in terms of assets, I've, I've, I've got a couple houses here in LA um, that I rent out, that, I've, that I own and rent out. So, so that's good. Um, but between, that's really it. You know, I'm still kind of acquiring and, and building and um, I'll probably still keep investing in real estate. I think that's the most tried and true um, way to invest, but, but nothing in the stock market yet. Maybe some GameStop, but uh, yeah. So the reason I ask is because this is Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast. And what I teach people is to get cash flowing assets. And the metaphor I like to use is that you're, if you're playing basketball um, and you have one player on the team, Ryan, called your job, right? Or playing music, there are five players you're playing against and it's a metaphor. So it's food, transportation, housing, subscriptions, and then fill in the blank, whether you want to buy yourself a motorcycle, you want to go on vacations or $200 bottle of wine. Those five players keep on coming down at you and you're trying to fend them off with this one player called your job. So I'm like, well, why don't you just add players to your team? And people are like, well, how do I do that? Well, you, what you do is you increase the amount you earn, you decrease what you're burning, right? In other words, it's called delayed gratification. You take the rest and you invest it in crypto or in the stock market or in real estate. And you just let it sit there and grow. And before you know it, you're gonna have somebody come off the bench and start scoring some points. So to your story of, of crypto, about two years ago, I bought a stock called, um, a crypto coin called Doge. Have you heard of it? <laughs> I have heard of it, yes. You know where I'm going with this, right? So I bought it at 0 .003 cents. It is today at 50 cents. Amazing. Not a bad return. So I only bought like three or $4,000 worth, but I made three or $400,000 on it. Now that coin was sitting on the bench for two or three years, scoring no points. But because I have 44 different players on my team, I can afford that. And so 
whether you're killing it with your t-shirts or what have you, my invitation to everybody listening to this is do what you're doing, but you may get bored of the t-shirt business or it may go sideways or you could get sick. Like when my father got sick, I took two years off, took my eye off of my business and lost everything, but my real estate could continue to grow. So that's my invitation to everybody listening to this is get some cash flowing assets like Ryan's doing, buying real estate and other things and use your business as the fuel to be able to do that. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. I could definitely do a lot better job of that. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm getting there. Like, I feel like eventually I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be able to, uh, you know, have that kind of passive income and not having to work so hard to, you know, make a check. Yeah. I mean, well, that's my whole life's mission, right? Is to bring consciousness to that, to people like yourself and other people, because we're not taught that in school. We're taught, get a good education, get a job and retire. Right. And that's a false concept. It doesn't work. It's outdated. But the programming goes through the generations because you and I witnessed our parents doing some version of that. And if we don't flip the script and come up with something new, then we're going to do a, you know, a watered down better version. And like you said, there's a bunch of people resisting crypto. But I look at it. I'm like a monopoly money. You know, I invested 100 grand. It's at half a million now. And I'm like. I. I like, I have some businesses like my Keller Williams business. I invested $300,000 and because of the pandemic, I've made nothing from it for the last 18 months, even though I'm managing it and I've got responsibilities and leases and I wake up and I make a hundred grand overnight on this thing called crypto. It completely changes the way you look at the world. If you're open, right? No, absolutely. I, I love it. I mean, I think that it's, I think what people don't realize is that it's just getting started i know everyone everyone i talk to is like oh it's way too late bitcoin's at sixty thousand something like this is i'm like you guys don't understand we're in its infancy this is brand new and it still is not even close to mass adoption yet you know what i mean i mean the doge story is insane i mean it really is it's funny because from a crypto community you know they hate dogecoin because it's just not what they want it to be you know what i mean right. they know it's just it's a meme coin. It's it, but if if the public gives it value, it has value, right? So it doesn't always have to have some amazing utility that revolutionizes an industry. You know what I mean? People just got to adopt it, and that's all it really takes. I mean, it doesn't hurt that Elon keeps tweeting about it, of course, but you know. But this this is my point: is that there's zero brilliance on my end, other than the fact that I sat in a room with other people that were crypto people that were. You know fanatical about it and i just said okay let um, but i have the money i, I threw a hundred thousand dollars at it it went down to twenty five thousand ryan uh for two and a half years but i could ride that out to benefit from a, one of them being lucky it's almost like you know venture capitalism you're gonna you're gonna put a you know into a hundred businesses and 98 are gonna be flops but two are gonna go up a thousand percent and so you can't do it though, unless you're running a successful business like you. And for the artists that might be listening to this, that are playing the piano and just getting paid food, the invitation is this, is get some, something you may not love that makes you money so you can put your money to work hard for you and, and take advantage of that so you don't have to work hard for the rest of your life. Does that make sense? hundred percent, yeah. So you said you're working hard. The other piece that I like to visit with with people is what are you giving up 
to be successful in your business? Are you giving up your health? Are you giving up your relationships? Are you giving up your self-care? What do you, because most people are giving up something unless they're incredibly, you know, well-balanced. I mean, anyone that owns a business knows how much it really, really takes. It's, 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 it's not nine to five. It's like 6 a.m. to 12 midnight. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's all day, every day. I mean, you're giving up a lot of time and energy ultimately. And I have three kids under the age of four. So like giving up time with them is brutal and it breaks my heart every day, but I have so many people that I have to be responsible for, you know, on the business side of things and, and so many approvals and questions and things I have to answer that it just demands so much time and energy. And, and I have two businesses, so it's even, it's, it's double. It's really stacked up on me right now. But um, yeah, that's really what it is. I mean, I, I keep my health uh, in good shape. I, I probably need to work out more just like everybody. Um, but I, I would think what I give up the most is just time with my family and my kids. And I try to really work, like I've been doing this like 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. schedule thing where um, you know I try to keep all my meetings smashed into that little time slot. And uh, you know, periodically it goes over. But, um, you know, even, even when I'm off at, at three, I still find myself trying to provide value to people and find unique ways to uh, build the business or, or, or improve the product or whatever it is. Like my mind is always racing with these kind of ideas. Um, but, but yeah, to answer your question, uh, the most valuable asset we have obviously is time. And, and that's, that's what I give up mostly with, with all of this. Yeah. So what have you learned in, um, in running your, your t-shirt business as an entrepreneur that would be useful for some of the people in this journey? Man, so much. I've, I've learned so much. I've learned, I've learned a couple really important things. I've learned that, you know, marketing is very difficult for a lot of people. I think it's one of the most difficult things businesses struggle with. And, um, one thing I've, a very expensive lesson I've learned is, um, attribution which is being able to identify exactly where the source of your revenue is coming from and how you exactly quantify that. So um, I've gone on this journey with attribution where, you know, all these platforms, you know, we advertise um, on, on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, uh, TikTok, we do everything, right? And, um, and, and Google ads. And um, understanding what your return on ad spend is, is, is the whole way that you drive performance in a business when you're building it digitally. So um, you have to look at these platforms and take everything with a grain of salt. Like on Facebook, um, I mean, we're spending an absolute four. We're spending like a BMW 3 Series a day on Facebook. So you have to know exactly. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You're spending like 60000 a day? We're spending about 40 on Facebook and we're spending about 20 on all the other channels combined. What are you, what's your, what are you selling? How much volume are you selling in a month? So we're doing about a little over four and a half million a month now. Wow. So we're run rating, we're run rating about 60 million this year. We think we're going to be doing about eight to 10 in Q4. Um, and we're only, we're a little over a year and a half old. So things have really exploded. Um, and most of it's due to performance marketing. It's, it's due to these platforms and being able to scale and, and really, um, you know, just, just keep the money moving through, through all these channels.
So if you're doing uh, 60 million in a year and it's costing you what, uh, 10 million in advertising? Yeah, we spent about, yeah, it ends up being about a little over a million a month. A million a month, yeah. So say 12 million, you're making 60 million and then your cost, et cetera. What's your, like, what kind of net do you have on that? If you don't mind me asking. Like a, the business as a whole is like a 25% net margin business. Okay. So how, do you have some partners? I have two partners. I, uh, and, and, you know, without them, I never would have been able to scale this as fast as I did. But um, so Nick Ventura is, uh, he comes from the uh, fashion apparel background. Um, and he's got, uh, he had a company, Bentley, that, that did very well and he sold that. And, um, and so he's one of my partners. And then Matt uh, comes from the uh, venture startup finance world. So he's kind of our CFO. And, um, and that's really why this business was, was on steroids because the three of us together were just kind of the perfect trifecta of, um, of, you know, high level marketing, high level apparel experience and high level finance. You put those three together and, uh, it just, it really just, the business just took off. Um, and that's not to take anything away from the product itself. The product is amazing and the product really stands on its own, um, outside of, you know, just having good partners to run things. And so, you know, it's interesting people listening to this is it a lot of people that are these solo entrepreneurs struggle trying to do everything themselves. And then if they get overwhelmed, they may be reluctant to bring somebody on because, you know, they don't want to share, they get hurt, they don't trust, etc. Um, but I really want to underline what you've done is you've you've recognized the importance that you can't do it all really. And by I mean, originally we tried to, I mean, we, and in the beginning, you know, it's kind of like, you just do everything you can. Like we were, Nick and I were like answering customer service DMs on Instagram. I mean, we were in the weeds, weeds like early on. And I think that when you don't have, like, we never wanted to go in debt and put a bunch of money into the company or raise any kind of venture capital. We wanted to bootstrap this thing from the beginning and we wanted to use our own money I think we only invested maybe 5,000 total between the three of us to get this thing off the ground. And we built it on the backbone of the revenue. So it was slow, but you know, in the beginning, but we realized that it could catch legs and it could really take off. So um, we just, we get, kept building the business on the backbone of the profits. And so now that you are where you are, um, you put a lot of sweat equity into it. Talk to me a little bit about how do you, how do you, cause how do you feel good about the amount of effort you're putting in vis-a-vis -vis the other guys, your guys get into conflict and like, Oh dude, you're not working enough. Or... Yeah. You know, it's funny. The three of us, thank God that I, we don't have any slouches on the team because it would not work. You're right. If someone's not pulling their weight, it's an absolute nightmare, but the three of us are workaholics and, and the three of us are constantly on the phone all day, every day, strategizing, trying to figure things out there really is no, there's nobody who's not pulling their weight on this team, you know, and, and all the people we hire are the same way. Like they're, we only really hire killers that we think are going to go above and beyond and do a great job. And anyone that's kind of just like, you know, uh, you know, head down could just kind of, uh, you know, just Punch not in the block. Yeah. It, we're, we're just not into that. You know what I mean? We want people that want to work hard and, and mm. want to 
themselves and we reward those people. You know, we, we definitely take care of people that, that work hard and, and, and promote them and pay them more and all that good stuff. But um, yeah, the, between the three of us, we're all complete workaholics. We're all so immersed in this thing. Um, so it's been nice. So interesting that um, a lot of times when people are growing up, they may not recognize that that job they had as a bartender makes them a better real estate salesperson later in their career because they learn people skills. You played piano, then you went into SEO. You spent a ton of time doing that. How much has that helped you in the business you're in now? So much. I mean, I don't know how the music really relates, but I can say that um, on the sales side of thing, I mean, we actually have really similar backgrounds. I grew up in uh, a family of real estate. So they, my, I watched my parents, um, you know, dig themselves out of a ton of debt and then come out on top uh, when it was all said and done. Um, so they had a, a, and we're from, we're both from a, the, the cold North, by the way, I'm from Northern Michigan. Um, I know you're Canada. So I feel like we're, we're very kindred spirits, especially with our, uh, our hockey background. I was a big hockey player. Um, cool. But, but yeah, so my dad was, was one of the top salesmen for, for North Country Real Estate. And I just learned that it was all about how to treat, you just treat people well, you, you network your ass off. And, and, um, and, and you learn, you learn good sales skills through all of that. So the sales through SEO direct, I mean, I did it for 11 years. I did sales for that company. So, um, now it plays a huge part when I'm negotiating contracts and, and, uh, negotiating deals with vendors, uh, and which I've learned the hard way. You have to really, you know, stay on top of these guys and you have to negotiate really good terms early on, or it can bury the business. You know, for instance, just getting a good term deals with your manufacturer is literally the night that's between success and failure for a lot of people. If you can't get, you know, some sort of decent credit line, how do you expect to scale it unless you start putting your own money in and or how do you expect to scale if you don't have good terms like 45 day terms or 60, 60 day terms to where you can float out a bit and, and make sure that you have enough cash flow to pay everybody. Um, it's like there's 200 things that could go wrong in a business and each one of them is like a stick of dynamite. Um, and you gotta get them right and you gotta refine them and you gotta pay attention. I, I totally get it. And I, I think this is why so many entrepreneurs, you know, they get in there and unless you're insanely hungry and you have a big vision and you have something bigger than yourself, it's so easy to not pay attention and get wiped out. 100%. But going back to your point about like what I learned, I think the sales thing helps you out in so many facets of life. Yes. I think that, that having that skill set um, has served me very well. And um, I think for anybody listening, sales is just something so important. I mean, even if you're, if you're in a job interview, you know, you got to know how to sell yourself. Yeah. Business, you got to know how to sell the business to investors. You're just always, always selling. You know, if I need more time for the business, I have to sell it to my wife. You know what yeah. I mean? So that she doesn't hate me. So, um, yeah. Oh, you got success there? No, just joking. I do. I do. Yeah, so far, so good. Six years in. That's awesome. That's great. So let's talk about the, um, the small, the small homes business. Yeah. You know business. What was that? You call it a business. You mean, oh, the, the properties I own? The, the properties you own, yeah. And, and what is that vision for that? I mean, I don't know. You know, I, it's, it's funny. We were actually tossing around the idea of moving to Texas. 
and I kind of had, you know, a good idea about it. You because know, I, I, I think that it's obviously much more reasonable uh, real estate wise out in Texas. And um, I had kind of a vision of just owning all sorts of, you know, apartment buildings and, 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 and housing and all that. You know, if I stay here in California, that kind of changes things because the prices are so outrageous. It's like a thousand a square foot out here. But, um, but you know, I just want to keep, I just want to keep building up my portfolio. You know what I mean? I think yeah. um, as the banks will allow me to get loans and, and you know, it's harder as, as you get more. Um, I want to keep uh, leveraging that and, and putting money to use and, and creating passive income. So, um, you know, and then, and then obviously leave it all behind for my kids at the end of the day. Uh, but yeah, I mean, every year I want to, every, I think I set myself like every two to three years, I want to be acquiring a property somewhere and kind of passing off the management to somebody else. So it's kind of hands off and, um, and then just keep, uh, you know, keep that process going. Yeah. And you can own real estate all over, over America and have other people manage it for you. So it doesn't have to be in California. So you can do that as well. All right. Final, final piece, tiny homes for homeless. For vets. Yeah. So these are guys that, um, that serve the country and, um, this organization that my dad is involved with, that got me involved is essentially, um, well, there's two ways they're doing it. The, the, the first two phases, they built tiny little homes, like literally, um, like hundred square feet of house on, on these big plots of land. And they have like, you know, 25 vets in there. Uh, in, you know, each with their own little house, everything from, you know, plumbing, electrical, like the full nine. So it's just a really cool thing. Um, and, you know, it was something we wanted to be a part of, obviously. Now we're, we're working on another thing where it's, it's called a scattered home approach where we're building, like we're, we're rehabbing uh, real houses. So it's changed a little bit um, to where, and, and it's going to require more money. Um, but, it, you know, we want to get vets in there that have families, you know, they can really benefit from this, you know, get them a small house, rehab it, and then just keep it moving, you know, just keep finding these houses in Savannah. And then the idea is eventually to, um, to really roll this out nationwide. You know, we wanted to start small one area, prove it out that we could help and then kind of expand from there. Very cool. I love it. How much of that provides you with, with more desire to create? Yeah, I mean, there's there's just nothing like giving back. I think it's the ultimate high. I think that um, once you see the fruits of your labor and you see people, you see the expressions on their faces, you see how happy they are and how emotionally they are invested in, in, in getting this house, it just propels you. It, it helps motivate you even more, even just outside of you know trying to build a legacy for your family and kids. Um, there's just nothing like really seeing people uh, get into a home that they've wanted. I mean, these people lived on the streets, you know what I mean? So to go from living on the sidewalk to walking into their own house is a pretty massive upgrade. So to just be a part of that, I just feel super honored to be, you know, and it just serendipitously happened with my dad retiring, moving down to Savannah and getting involved in this charity. You know, it's just weird how it all pans out, you know, and, but my, you know, I have a very strong military background with my family. I have generals, army rangers, um, you know, Metro PD. I have just everyone in my family's, uh, you know, a veteran and, um, and I never was. So I felt like this was kind of my way to pay homage and give back, you know. To it's super cool. Have you ever been down there when, and watched somebody get their house? And I have 
physically been there. Yeah. I haven't even visited my parents. They, my parents have only been there four years and I haven't yet. I mean, I've been going insane here in California with, with working. So I really haven't even been down there to, uh, to, to get in, but um, we are planning a trip this year and I, I want to be part of the, the rehab process on this, this new project that we're doing. So I want to get down there and get my hands dirty and really kind of, uh, and get to meet, meet a lot of these guys. Yeah. Super cool. All right. We're going to wrap this up. Favorite book. Favorite book. Um, man, that is a tough one. Or uh, a book. You know, I love, I love crush it by Gary V. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of his style of, value 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 it's all about value and then you know uh i just think that that i think that fits perfectly into with 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 our brand you know i always try to find ways to give value back whether it's um with the quality of the shirts or the price point or you know we send out a lot of value posts a lot of blogs that educate people on um you know like for valentine's day we sent out a blog like here's 10 date ideas you know because guys are absolutely clueless for the most part when it comes to that stuff so we're always trying to provide value and give, give, give. And I just think it's a great way to run a business. Um, yeah. Cool. And other than Gary V, who's a great mentor that's influenced you? Man, I mean, I, my dad, you know, my dad, I think uh, watching him and it's funny, you know, both our dads are very similar in the fact that, um, you know, they, I, I feel like that generation they're just not good at, at, at saying they're proud, right? They're just not, you, you always want to make your dad proud and you're always trying and everything you do goes back to that ultimately, right? It's like, you just have that in you as a kid where you're just, you, you're playing hockey and you just want to see him in the stands. And when you score a goal, you just want to see him clapping and you just want to feel that, right? But one thing I've learned over time, and when I heard your story, man, did it resonate with me? Because when you said like your dad, you, you said he wasn't proud, but I, I beg to differ. I think it's more their generation sees it as a weakness to show affection and to show that they're proud. And I just think it's more how they grew up because it was such a hard time to grow up for them that they were proud. I think both our dads were super proud of us, whether they told us or not. And, um, and that's really been the driving force for me, uh, ultimately. It's, a, it's, it's kind of a weird thing, but... Um, it just always sticks with me that, you know, your, your dad is just someone that you're always trying to prove something to, no matter what you build or how big you build it. You just want him to say that he's proud of you and he's happy with what you're doing in life. You know, and you ultimately use it as fuel, right? If you use it properly, if it doesn't become this endless pot that you need to fill in. And I agree with you. I think that they are afraid that if they tell us too much, they're proud that we're going to stop preparing ourselves for life. And so they keep on saying, no, you can do better. You can go stronger. You can go harder. And it's worked, right? Because we become these, these producers, these achievers. But I will say this is for myself. I, you know, I like have this overdeveloped bicep called achiever. And I've then had to work on the tricep called how to be fulfilled and more at ease and patient and playful and all those pieces. But I noticed that there are some people out there that didn't grow up the way you and I did, and they struggle to get themselves to work and they struggle to get themselves to overcome obstacles. They're struggling financially. They're struggling with their health because they can't get their ass in the gym. 
So which one would I prefer to be this unbelievable, unstoppable fucking machine, right? And then have to temper and pull the stallion back? Or would I like to be this mule that I got a whip to get going? I'll choose the stallion. Maybe that's because I see myself and you that, that, that way. But you, you follow me? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I feel like we're definitely cut from the same cloth. I mean, I, I owe a lot to my parents because I feel like without them, I never would have this insatiable work ethic. I mean, we were working very young. They had us out at the lot, you know, uh, uh, shoveling snow and just like, like from like 11 years old, just out there, um, you know, it was earlier than that. It was like nine and 10. I was nine. My sister was, was 11. My brother was uh, 13. And, um, we were, we were making real paychecks out there. You know I mean? I was spending it on GI Joes and muscle men, but you know, at the time I didn't really realize why they were keeping us so busy, but now I look back and I, I, I want to instill that in my kids hundred percent. Cause I think we're cheap labor. Well, that too. That too. I mean, dude, you should see what they had us doing. They had us cleaning these repos, the, you know, repossessed houses are an absolute nightmare. I don't know if you've ever seen the inside of one, but sure. when, get disgruntled you know they just leave everything and we'd have to go in there and clean those things and they were just i mean it was inhumane the way they would leave those houses i had one where they left a, de a deer head a rotted deer head sitting in the house for weeks and i had to go in there and uh oh my dude it's like it traumatizes me to this day i get the chills just thinking about it so yeah um they kept us working and, and I just, I, I got to thank them for the work ethic because man, has it served me well in life. Yeah. And you know what? It, it probably in times wasn't easy for them to kick, keep our nose to the grindstone. They might've felt guilty and they might've felt, you know, oh God, the poor kid, you know, dragging this crap around, but that's what you call tough love. And I've done it with my kids. My kids are all super successful and, you know, there's a period of time when they hated me for sure. They're like, you know, what do you mean type with my, with a blindfold on again? What do you mean read a book and then have to recite it and, and, and do a, a, a recital in front of the family? I want to go play. But today, you know, they're grateful. They can type 80 words a minute that they can do public speaking and they got all those monkeys off their back. So, you know, I think it's like Tiger Woods said, the older I get, the smarter my, my father seems, right? I love that. Yeah. Work ethic is so insanely important and it just serves you in so many you know, facets of life. And you know what? I've, I'm, I interview a lot of people and obviously read a lot of books and you could probably trace back to 99% of the top entrepreneurs. They worked when they were very young. They had a paper route. They shoveled snow. They um, worked in the back of a restaurant of their parents' place. They did something, but the kids that are sitting around, you know, just playing video games, maybe they become something with technology these days. I don't know, but that work ethic, if it doesn't start young, there's no familiarity with it later. So you don't have that reference of like, I can do this. And that's so important. But that being said, I believe you can train it into yourself because you have another gift. You got that tricep of patience and maybe, you know, kindness and empathy that I didn't have uh, growing up. So whatever you've gotten in your life, you might have to develop a different part of you. That's your journey. 
Does, yeah. does that make sense? Would you agree, Ryan? No, hundred percent. You know, I have, I have younger cousins and nephews that, um, you know, they're struggling. They're, they're young. They, they yeah. really don't do much. They, they're kind of lost. And I, I kind of, I look back at what they've done and none of them had, had good work ethics, unfortunately. You know what I mean? They just weren't taught that, that they had to work from an early age. And here they are kind of looking for guidance and struggling a bit and trying to figure out, you know, where they, they want to survive in the marketplace or what they want to do. And um, it's really difficult. It's difficult to watch that because, and I try to be there for all of them. I try to give them really good advice. But one thing I can't do is force them to want to work ultimately, right? So they have to, I can tell them, I can give them the entire blueprint on how to make a thousand a month or two, whatever, just to at least make money and, and get out of your situation. But I can't force them to work. I just can't force them to want to have that muscle. Right. You know what I mean? And it's, it's tough. It's tough to watch. Uh, they'll get their lessons when they're ready, right? Yeah, so. that's what I'm hoping for. I'm, I'm hoping it's just a young thing, right? Like they're just like kind of lost. I mean, I, listen, I was a mess in my 20s, so I'm not one to talk, to be honest. I right. was a troubled youth, but... Um, but yeah, that's what I'm hoping for too. Okay, best place to get your t-shirts? Classictees.com. I mean, okay. we've got a lot of stuff coming out. Um, we've got a, we got a lot of variations of colors. We have nine new products launching at the end of May. So we have, we're, we're, we're gonna roll out polos, um, uh, baseball tees, uh, short sleeve Henleys, joggers. We got a ton of stuff planned for May. It's gonna be super busy for me. All right. Well, Elon Musk, watch out. Here comes Ryan. <laughs> All right, Ryan, thanks so much for sharing your story on Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. And there's living proof that you can go from artist to entrepreneur successfully. Surround yourself, find some really good partners that can compliment you, have a really great work ethic, be open to learning, be decisive, and be really smart at SEO so that you can sell a lot of t-shirts online. Bring whatever you have to the table like Ryan did. And um, it's just nice to see you be successful in, in that space and put uh, all of your learnings together. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks, Rock, really appreciate it. All right, if you like this episode or any other episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life, of course, subscribe, share it, like it, hang out. I keep on interviewing really cool people like Ryan, bring them to the forefront and try to expose their story so you can relate to it in some way and you can go well maybe if he can do it i can do it uh, maybe you're a struggling artist and and you relate to this story beautifully but there should be something you can pull from it and i always encourage you to take some action so whatever you learn from this talk with ryan today try to implement it right action is the bridge from the inner mindset to the outer results go create some new results and we'll see you on the next episode So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.